somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Well, the queen is dead. Long live the king. The queen is being buried as we speak. Uh, Her funeral is going on as we speak. Uh, a A lot of things went together to pull that off and put that together. It's a it's a pretty much left the United Kingdom in a standstill. Everybody's eyes are glued to the funeral. And it's a big deal. It's a historic moment. And one that will, you know, be in the history books as a a significant uh, event. But I wanted to talk today somewhat in commemoration to the Queen, but uh, um, about the assets of the crown. And I learned some things that they were just absolutely mind-blowing. So we're going to talk briefly, you know, about the Queen. I have this video or audio clip that I want to share with you um, that I think is pretty good. It's enlightening as to how much wealth the kingdom actually had. It's astounding. I never knew it until I listened to this. And I read some things, and um, but we're also going to talk about science and politics. We're going to talk about the illegals and Martha's Vineyard. Uh, some things that Biden said in his sixty minutes interview over the weekend. Some things that Trump said in his rally speech in Youngstown, and some things that Vladimir Putin said to the uh, Prime Minister Modi of India, President Modi of India, where Putin said he, he, he looks forward to getting out of Ukraine as soon as possible. So we're going to hear that. But the Crown Estate's income goes to the UK gov- government, which gives the royal family an annual payment. The assets of the Crown Estate are worth about $17 billion dollars but that's just a crumb compared to what you're about to hear. 
The estate includes land, property, forests, farms, and parts of the shoreline and seabed. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine about all this over the weekend, and she mentioned something, and she said to me, you know, think about the word landmine. Do you remember when Diana uh, was going into Africa and uh, some countries in the continent of Africa, and she was talking about landmines? But, she, you know, she didn't get injured because they knew where all the landmines were. And I got to thinking about that, because there was a lot of British colonialization in Africa. And I got to thinking about this. I thought, interesting. How about that? So we know that, we know that globalists want to move people around, right? And we know that they start wars that result in refugees. We open borders that uh so we 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 uh we throw carrots out there in a sense like like sugar if you want to catch a, a mouse you put some cheese out there well america is the cheese and the world is the, the world's mice out there are coming around unfortunately though for middle class america Venezuela, over uh, the last couple of weeks, has opened up its jail cells with their worst criminals and said, go to America, get out of our country. Can you believe that? I mean, I read this report over in Breitbart, and it ha- it's legit. You know who said it? Homeland Security said it. So they know, they're aware and they still have the borders open. But they're well aware, the government, the United States government is well aware that Venezuela has opened its borders, I mean, opened its jail cells, opened its jail cells, and is allowing these Venezuelans to go to America for a better life. We're getting the worst of Venezuelans to come here. But... Globalists have been moving people around the world in all kinds of ways. They've been buying up farmland, which means that you can't live there. You have to. So if they buy up all the land or if they turn this uh, piece of land into a public park and Bill Gates buys up this piece of land and calls it farmland, then you can't go and develop in those spaces. So you're pigeonholed into a corner or where they, wherever they want you to be. And the government then controls these things. Where you live. What acreage of land you can buy. Because so much of the land is being bought up by globalists like Bill Gates. So they start wars in Syria resulting in refugee crises. But there's another thing that's going on. The royal family, I think, is behind that. Landmines. If I put landmines all over a section of a country in Africa, whether it's Kenya or Ethiopia or whoever, wherever, um, if I put landmines out there, guess what? 
the government's going to say, don't walk over here. Don't walk over here because you might get blown up. And sure thing, you would get blown up because you would step on a landmine. You don't know where they are, but guess what? The royal family knows where they are. And it just says, keep out of my business. And the same is true if you wanted to section off, uh, (laughs) you know, if you wanted to section off something like a, if you say you were a a, uh, disgruntled relationship and you said, you stay on your side of the house and I stay on my side of the house. My side of the house has landmines. That would definitely guarantee, you know, or how about uh, instead of beware of the dog, I, um, I, I'm going to put landmines out on my lawn. This house is protected. If I say ADT, the burglar is going to do a smash and grab and come in and get my flat TV anyway, right? <laughs> but if I put, there are landmines on my lawn, beware, stay out. The bur- they're not a burglar in the world that's going to be walking on my lawn, are they? So, you know, it's effective in keeping people out of your land. So you start a war, you put landmines everywhere, and now you say this land is not, you can't, you don't want to purchase it, it's not for sale, it's a danger zone until we uh, demine it. That just protects the land. So not only did they use landmines as a way to keep, uh, as a defense mechanism to keep the offensive armies from getting to them. Sort of like building up a wall, <laughs> but it's a virtual wall. You'd stop the traffic coming across the border real quick if you just put a sign up that said landmines everywhere along the southern border. But of course, we're not doing that. But we're not building a wall either. either. And what's interesting about that is it's not like uh, Joe Biden was always opposed to walls. He just wasn't. Let's take a listen. What do I think about the control of our borders? What would I do about it? 2008. Ladies and gentlemen, no great country can say it is secure without being able to control its borders, period. What I would do about it is what I proposed to do about it almost 13 years ago. I would radically ramp up the number of border security guards we have, the use of electronic surveillance material we have to guard the border, and the number of what they call virtual fences. They're not literally fences. Virtual fences from aerostat balloons on to where we whereby we could control the border much, much better. What do I think? Well, not really. Walls work, Joe. Walls work. Why not just put a wall up? You know? Because during President Trump's t- time in office, we had, the, we had a drop in border crossings. I think it was unprecedented, really. I think someone said four, in 40 years, but... Really, 40 years ago, this is a different time. I think ever is the answer. That we had the least amount of border crossings ever. And it's the exact reason why the Democrats 
oppose the border wall because corporations are paying the Democrats to vote against the border wall now. These woke corporations that are run by a bunch of liberals that were groomed and conditioned by the World Economic Forum and believe in the principles of globalism are supporting the Democrat agenda. And in their advertising dollars, their advertising dollars, whoops, so their advertising dollars are financing the narrative over in the media. I want you to hear this other clip that I have in store for you. Uh, this clip, this clip here is going to illustrate very well that uh, the media is bought and paid for. Listen to this guy. This guy was just absolutely amazing. We're going to get back to the queen in just a moment, moment, but let's take a listen to this. I got to tell you, as someone that's been fighting for people to wake up to their rights disappearing through this vaccine program, to see more than half of the states in America stepping up and saying, we're going to fight that vaccine mandate. Welcome to the party, everybody. The world's going to change now. MSNBC, NBC, even Fox, people that have, you know, gotten used to getting their information from these pundits and not paying attention to those commercials, you know, between their news programs that tell you who's paying them, pharmaceutical industry is, if we could turn off the television, if you could go ahead and say it's illegal for pharmaceutical industry to advertise on television, you would watch this story change tomorrow. You would watch reporters start telling you the truth. You would start watching your news anchors cover this issue. But they can't because their boss and the person writing their check is the one that is making 10, 20, 30 billion dollars off of a vaccine that doesn't work. If we could stop the news, you could stop Joe Biden and you could stop everything that's happening here. The media is killing us, and I hope when we have Nuremberg too, which is my goal, Amen. to try these people for crimes against humanity. I want to see Tony Fauci locked up. I want to see you know Cuomo locked up and Gavin Newsom and all of these liars that have foisted this lie upon us. But especially when it's all done, I want to see Sanjay Gupta and Rachel Maddow and you know everybody that was a part of the propaganda of this lie. They should be arrested too. They do not get to exonerate themselves saying, well, hey, that's what we're being told. I'm a journalist. You should have read the science. I did. Yeah, and it's the science. It's the science that's a lie. That's the big lie. So we're going to get to that, too. We're going to talk about this um, because it's, it's an absolute lie. So, number one, we got this here. All right, so we got the head of the vaccine mission, right? Bill Gates, buying up all the farmland in America. Uh, Listen to what he says on the fake news with Anderson Cooper. He says, "That's, that's a conspiracy theory that I would be getting involved with vaccines to make money. And then this video got... Flips, uh, flips the switch and gets him on another interview in Europe outside of Davos, I think, uh, where he's actually talking about the profit that he makes, a 20 to 1 return on investment. Given billions for vaccines and, and save millions of lives, uh, if you just kind of invert that and say, no, we're you know trying to make money from vaccines and you know not trying to, to save lives, uh, that's you know a popular conspiracy theory. 
You've invested $10 billion in vaccinations over the last two decades, and you figured out the return on investment for that. And it kind of stunned me. Can you walk us through the math? Over a 20 to 1 return. So if you just look at the economic benefits, uh, that's a pretty strong number compared to anything else. You know, we're you know, trying to make money from vaccines, and that's you know, a popular conspiracy theory. Over a 20 to 1 return. Given billion- and he goes on in that other interview, too, and he's like, where he says 21 return, 20 to 1 return, he's like, yeah, that's pretty good. You know, obviously, it's just, it's a crazy number. It's a crazy number. And so I want to I wanna, I wanna also play this one clip here. This is about the lying science and Ted Cruz um, and CO2 emissions. You're going to like this a lot. All right, here we go. And, and history is replete with all sorts of instances of, quote, scientific consensus being categorically wrong. And the mantra of settled science is often a mask for a political agenda to prevent scientists from asking questions that are inconsistent with a political agenda. We know that, that it was once settled science uh, that the Earth was the center of the universe, and Galileo was a heretic for daring to question other words. It was settled science less than 200 years ago that hand-washing did nothing to, to prevent the spread of disease, that everyone knew disease was caused by an imbalance of bad air or evil spirits. And so settled science has a way of shifting, and, and I would note just a couple of months ago, the Biden administration's Assistant Secretary for Health, Rachel Levine, all but said that the science surrounding, quote, gender-affirming care was, quote, settled, specifically, and the quote was, quote, there is no debate in the medical community about the medical or scientific validity of gender-affirming care. And gender-affirming care is a euphemism uh, for all sorts of policies that, that with young children can involve puberty-blocking drugs, that can involve at extreme levels surgeries that permanently alter their reproductive ca- capacity, their capacity for the rest of their life. Do you think it's accurate that, that questions such as that are settled science and no one is, is, is even allowed to ask what are the consequences of an eight-year-old child being given severe drugs that alter their physiology for the rest of their life. Really easy, of course, you can ask questions about what's the impact of giving life-altering drugs to kids. That, that is not a complicated, I can tell you, if I go home to Texas and I get 100 people in a room, I promise you 99 of them will say, well, of course we ought to ask a question about that. I find it amazing that you're nominated to be a cabinet-level position as the president's science advisor, and you're not even willing to acknowledge that asking questions about the long-term physical and emotional health to a child, asking those questions is okay. Senator, I think... What you're demonstrating here is that politics is more important than science because they're obvious science and medical questions. Let's shift to another topic. OSTB has done a lot of work under President Biden on energy and climate, and and there may be no area of science that is more politicized than energy and climate. Of the almost 200 nations on planet Earth, which nation has reduced its CO2 emissions by the greatest number of total tons over the last 15 years? 
Senator Cruz, I, uh, I would probably want to look at the data to give you a complete answer to that. I know the U.S. has been uh, very good at reducing our emissions after having a long history of being the greatest emitter. Okay, uh, the, the complete answer is the United world. States of America, which has reduced our CO2 emissions by more than 600 million metric tons in the past 15 years. And my last question, because my time has expired, what is the principal cause of the United States leading the world in the reduction of CO2 emissions? And there, there is an objectively correct answer to this. Um, Senator, from my recollection of looking at the shifts in uh, U.S. emissions, they have come about, I believe, from a combination of uh, efficiency improvements, of shifts in manufacturing, uh, and of uh, the adoption of renewables. Okay, that question is, that answer is scientifically false. The answer for the principal cause of the reduction of CO2 emissions is the substitution of natural gas for coal in the production of electricity. That is objective, it is scientific fact, and it is dismaying to me that your answer to this committee is the political answer rather than actually talking about science and data and facts. And it also explains why the Biden administration has a relentless hostility to natural gas, even though it is the principal driver of carbon reductions. That is not science, that is politics, and frankly, it's bad politics. Thank you very much, Ted Cruz. So, you know, natural gas is the lion's share of the reason why it is that America has led the world in CO2 emissions and green energy uh, because natural gas is what feeds electricity more uh, cleaner than coal. That's what he's saying. So, you know, what are we doing? Well, one thing I said last week is the Biden administration wants to now buy, uh, fill up the oil reserve he depleted on purpose, the security oil reserve, um, at $80 a barrel. How dumb is that? That's like selling your house low and buying high. I mean, it's really dumb. Under the Trump administration, Trump wanted to fill up the oil reserve, strategic oil reserve, at $24 a barrel. Biden, he wants to pay $80 a barrel because he's never run a business in his life. (laughs) Business 101 tells you that's a dumb idea. You probably should have never sold your house at the time you sold it. This strategic oil reserve should have never been depleted Certainly, we shouldn't have sold our oil to China. We did all that. Maybe because the Biden crime family is owned by China, controlled by China, and they know that they'll spend the rest of their lives in jail if China were to release some of the documents that China obviously has on Biden. So, last night, 60 Minutes aired their interview with Joe Biden. And he said two things that were quite interesting, quite interesting. He said, we would arm to the teeth Taiwan if Russia, if China invaded Taiwan. So he then talked out of both sides of his mouth and he said, 
well, we respect the one China policy, but if they were to invade, we would. We also are committed and obligated to defend Taiwan. We, it's in writing. It's long understood. And that's the administration's position after they equivocated and waffled all over that subject because Nancy Pelosi went to Taiwan and they act like that wasn't that was a risky thing or wasn't supposed that was all planned. Pelosi went to Taiwan with her son Paul Jr. while Paul Sr. was actually trying to buy his way out of a criminal uh, trial uh, where he was driving drunk and drove his Porsche into another vehicle and in and uh, on his way up to his vineyard. So now they're turning Taiwan into Ukraine because they know that if they could actually perpetuate a war like they did in Ukraine by provoking Russia to, to go in rather than stop Russia, everybody's going to make money on the laundered money that's flowing in to Ukraine where Zelensky is worth $600 million, where the money's not traceable or trackable. Uh, Even if we buy weapons, Ukraine could sell those weapons to mercenary groups in the Middle East that protect oil pipelines coming out of Iraq into Europe and, and also oil pipelines going through uh, Libya, now that they don't have a toll collector named Gaddafi because we murdered him. And Egypt as well, because we uh, fail, we failed to destabilize Egypt under the Obama regime. And we managed to, uh, you know, Al-Sisi's now in charge. But when Morsi was in charge, he was going to be a puppet country. Surrounding Israel, no less. And it was the Palestinians and the Iranians that were chanting death to Israel, death to America. And those are the two uh, organizations or countries uh, and organizations that, that Biden wants to support. Trump pulled the money from them and brought them economically and financially to their knees. Big difference in the, in the leadership and the priorities that are set. The Democrats, they're a pile of, they're a pile of, uh, of corruption. I mean, just listen to uh, this. This is just a reminder. Just listen to Chuck Schumer. You take on the intelligence community. They have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. What do you think the intelligence community would do if they were motivated I don't know, to? but I, from what I am told, they are very upset with how he has treated them and talked about them. Take on the- so, you know, that's the same guy that said, shame on you, Gorsuch, shame on you, Kavanaugh, we're, we're going to hurt you, that kind of thing. These are the same people that are lying to you about the science. Let's take a listen to this scary report about blood clots and the vaccines. Let's take a listen. Mysterious fibrous clots are showing up inside people who have recently died. Some embalmers say the clots are found in most corpses these days, and they've never seen anything like it before. And a warning that some viewers may find the images in this report disturbing. 
Several embalmers across the country told the Epic Times they've been observing strange fibrous clots in corpses they work with. They report the phenomenon started either in 2020 or 2021. They say the clots stand out because they're exceptionally big, at a maximum as long as a human leg and as thick as a pinky finger. The embalmers also say that clots in corpses have become much more common. One embalmer said he finds them in 50 to 70 percent of all corpses he works with these days, up from 5 to 10 percent prior to the pandemic. It's not yet known if the new clots are caused by COVID-19, the vaccines, or something different. However, many of the embalmers say from what they've found, it seems like the clots are connected to the vaccine. Some doctors speculate that the spike protein used in the vaccines can cause string-like structures which the body doesn't break down. The clots found are lacking iron, potassium, magnesium, and zinc, which according to experts shows that these aren't just normal post-mortem clots, because normal human blood always has those nutrients. And earlier today, I spoke with one such embalmer, Richard Hirschman from Alabama. He tells us more about discovering these clots and what compelled him to speak out. Richard Hirschman, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Stefania. Glad to be here. Now, tell me, why did you choose to share your findings? Well, I decided to share my findings because I felt like humanity may be at stake. There's definitely something that has changed that I have noticed in the blood since the middle of last year, maybe around May or June of 2021. And it's been eating at me, and therefore I have to come out and speak to say, hey, something's wrong. Most doctors aren't going to see what I see, and I have to get it out there because I feel. Wow. So that that, that got cut off there. Um, that was the saw there was on that clip. But I I saw that, and my, my jaw fell, fell open. Um, so, and, ah. Uh, uh, Wow, there's so many uh, directions I can go right now. Um, before I pivot to Martha's Vineyard and before I get to the royal family uh, expose, um, I just want to say this. Um, I wanted you to hear the Putin uh, clip about him pulling out of Ukraine as soon as possible. Something that is not very good news, <clears throat> I know about your position on the conflict in Ukraine, and I know about your concerns. I know uh, that you share these concerns, and we want all of this to end as soon as possible. But the uh, other party, the leadership of Ukraine, has claimed that they refuse to engage in negotiating Process. They said that they want to achieve uh, their objectives, as they say, on the battlefield militarily. We will keep you abreast of everything that is happening over there. We are actively. So that was uh, um, Putin speaking with a translator, obviously. And, uh, you know, um, one other thing I forgot to mention about Joe Biden. Okay, so he we mentioned about Taiwan. And I went into how Taiwan's going to be the next Ukraine. It's going to be the next money laundering center. It's probably the reason that Pelosi actually prioritized Taiwan on her trip 
in the first of uh, August 2nd and 3rd. And it's the reason why Paul Pelosi Jr. went over there. It's sort of screams of like when Hunter Biden went on Air Force Two with Joe Biden as the vice president to China. Or there are photographs of Paul Pelosi Jr. in Ukraine. And there, uh, Hunter Biden was on the board of Burisma. And Mitt Romney's dude, Kofor Black, was also on the board of Burisma. And we can go on and on and on with, you know, Lindsey Graham, John McCain, Amy Klobuchar, spending lots of time during the transition when Trump was about to become president, spending a lot of time over in Ukraine. We're actually going to have a really special guest coming on to talk about that specifically, someone who really knows what's going on in that area soon on the Scott Adams show. It's going to be kind of eye-opening. But something else that Biden said in his 60 Minutes interview was he said the pandemic is over. So I responded and I said, okay, the pandemic's over. Can we all now move away from mail-in balloting? Is that possible? It's time to end mail-in balloting, mail-in voting. Do you know they have this um, thing? I was talking to a friend who works the, has been working the polls in Philadelphia for 20 years over the weekend. And you know what she said? She said that they've gone over with this electric electronic signature book at the polling stations. And she said that you can't even verify the signatures anymore. So that's pretty sad. So you could vote for multiple people and not really match the signatures. She said the machine she looked at didn't have the signatures on file to match. Now, they're supposed; these machines are supposed to allow you to match, but if you try taking your finger and writing your signature, it's not really going to look like your signature. Have you ever done that? Where it's like, okay, you're writing your signature on there and it, it doesn't always look that right because you're used to writing with a pencil or something. So it's kind of interesting there. So, you know, election fraud is something else that we need to be concerned about. Check this out. This TikToker claims he was offered $400 to make an anti-Trump video. Let's listen. I was just offered $400 to make an anti-Donald Trump propaganda post related to the January 6th investigation that is completely not true. I should start out this video by saying I'm not a Donald Trump supporter, so that should give a little bit of context to where I'm coming from. I'm an attorney. I post legal news and analysis on related topics. Okay, here we go with the story. So first thing first, I get an email from somebody with the Good Info Foundation. We'll talk about them a little more in a minute. I'm going to refer to this person as Jane. Jane sent me a message letting me know she represented the Good Info Foundation and that she was willing to offer a paid collaboration to discuss some topics related to January 6th. I said, sure, why not? I'll learn some more. Jane says the Good Info Foundation will give me $400 to make a post on my page and then share it to Instagram. So you see that blue link? All right, here, we're going to follow it. These are the specific requirements in order to obtain that $400 of how I should refer to the January 6th Capitol raid. Number one, I must call this a criminal conspiracy. Number two, I must say Trump Republicans were responsible. Number three, I must frame it as an attack on my country, an attack on America or Americans, 
a criminal conspiracy, and a committed crime. I must attribute the matter to MAGA Republicans. I must make clear that this was ongoing and unresolved. And most importantly, that I must channel all of this unto the manipulation of voter agencies so that I could turn their anger around this event into defiance that would make people more likely to vote in midterms. And the thing that struck me the most was this part, where I was told to talk about the aspects of the Trump campaign's plan. And I was supposed to say that the Trump campaign paid literally millions of dollars to make January 6th happen. So I figured, you know, maybe I missed something. So I said, hey, Jane, what is the basis for the claim that the Trump campaign itself paid millions of dollars to make the January 6th siege of the Capitol happen? Jane doesn't answer the question. Hi, Preston. If you don't want to state that in the video, it's fine. You don't have to use all the bullet points provided. So I kept going. Sure, I'm just wondering if there's support for that claim. Jane doesn't answer again. Let me know if you are interested and the rate works for you. Thanks so much. I'm not interested and the rate doesn't work for me. This is the Good Info Foundation. They boast on their homepage that good information is the lifeblood of a democracy. Wow. The Good Information Foundation um, for Democracy Foundation. The Good Info Foundation. So they always... Liberals seem to always say exact what like whatever they say they're about like the Inflation Reduction Act. No, it's going to increase inflation. And they do it with every single thing. Net neutrality was not net neutral. It was net biased, net censored. We all know what they're about. Why in the world are people voting? For these people, these monsters. Especially when you have a guy like Donald Trump speaking in Youngstown, and here's what he had to say. He said, remember when we're the ones supposed to be working with Russia? It was the FBI and Democrats who were working with Russia, and now it's all coming out. We'll also have to move quickly to fix the rot at our federal law enforcement and intelligence agencies. Just this week, it was revealed that Igor Denchenko, I think that sounds like a slightly Russian name, the foreign national who fabricated some of the most ridiculous smears and lies in the phony Steele dossier. It was all phony. How would you like to be me and go home and explain that one to my wife? Darling, it wasn't true. I swear it wasn't. Remember that one with the hookers from Russia? Darling, I'd like to explain this to you. It was all phony. It was all a phony, made-up, corrupt thing by the Democrats working with a paid informant of the FBI. Remember, we were supposed to be working with Russia. It was the FBI and the Democrats that were working with Russia, and now it's all coming out. And I hope they make a big deal out of this, not sweep it under the carpet, because I think it's one of the biggest stories in 50 years. If that were a Republican instead of a Democrat, it would be the biggest story. It would never end. In other words, the FBI was paying a Russian who made false smears to try and take down the president of the United States. This was while I was president. It was also recently revealed that the FBI went to Facebook in the weeks just before the 2020 election and told them that the Hunter Biden laptop was all Russian disinformation, don't use it. And the pollster said that if that word had gotten out, it would have made a 17-point 
difference, but we won the election by a lot anyway. It was too bad. To root out this appalling corruption, we need to pass historic reforms to tell the deep state, you're fired. Do you remember The Apprentice? Another. You know, it's so true. Um, the Rasmussen report came out and definitively said that if it, uh, that he lost 17 points, uh, at least 17 points. I think there was higher numbers than that even. Um, so, yeah, that whole, um, that whole uh, thing about Hunter Biden covering that story, I got censored left and right. Right now, leading up to the election, I've been censored for 90 days. Uh, on on Jan, uh, uh, just on September 15th. Another, ni- another 90 days in the blink. I mean, they keep piling it on because they know that I'm an influencer. So they're trying to censor me and make sure that the truth that I'm putting out there is not being seen because they, God, you know, God forbid that, right? They don't want that to happen. So there's a story that's, you know, all over the Internet, you know, about Martha's Vineyard. We all know the story, but it is funny. So the Democrats got the 300 National Guard members to throw out the 50, the 50 or so, uh, 50 um, people out of Martha's Vineyard. We don't have space for you. We don't, we can't help you. And what's so funny about it is the city of population of, of Martha's Vineyard 17,000 and they have 50 the city of Del Rio is 34,000 and they have 50,000 so basically it's, a, it's, a, it's exactly like this Martha's Vineyard if they had 25,000 illegal migrants on their island that would be the equivalent in ratio of Del Rio, Texas. But nobody cares. Now that the immigrants are gone, you know, now that the illegals are gone from Martha's Vineyard, now that the, the news is not covering the story anymore. Back to normal. Business as usual. Meanwhile, Jean-Pierre... Uh, Kareem Jean-Pierre is saying that the border is secure and closed. And we have these people that are just there saying, I'm illegal, and it was open. It's all illegal people going, and it's all open. (laughs) I saw it with my own two eyes. You know, the Biden administration never goes down to the southern border because they don't want the physical camera optic. Whenever they did go down to the border, they went to some other place that wasn't a wasn't a place where there was a problem with crossings. You know, it's just so disingenuous. They're such liars. And so, you know, we have this. Um, Ron DeSantis he he makes a bit of a joke about it. Uh, the president didn't scramble to get his cabinet together when he had 53 migrants die in some trailer in Texas. It's only when you have 50 illegal aliens end up in a wealthy, rich enclave that Biden decides to scramble on this. Let's take a listen. When I heard that the president is scrambling to get his cabinet together uh, to try to address 
the fact that you have governors who are helping to relocate illegal aliens to sanctuary cities. Now, he, he didn't scramble to get his cabinet together when we had millions of people illegally pouring across the southern border. He didn't scramble to get his cabinet together when you had 43, 53 migrants die in some trailer in Texas because they were neglected by the federal government. You didn't see him scramble to get his cabinet together when we had Americans that were victimized by criminal aliens that he led across the border. You didn't see him scramble to get his cabinet together when we hit record fentanyl deaths which that fentanyl is coming across his open border. It's only when you have 50 illegal aliens end up in a very wealthy, rich, sanctuary enclave that he decides to scramble on this. And so I think what we are doing... I think what we're continuing to do is use every tool at our disposal uh, to insulate the state of Florida uh, from the negative ramifications of his reckless border policies. And yes, that involves helping with transport. Uh, it involves suing on catch and release, which we have done. It's involved making sure that contractors are held accountable if they're facilitating this into our state. And we have a statewide grand jury that's looking at different types of practices that may be going on in the state that's exacerbating the problem. And so, uh, the end of the day, this is a massive policy failure by the president. This is a massive and intentional policy uh, that is causing huge amount of damage all across the country. And it's all rooted in a failure to take care that the laws are faithfully executed and to fulfill his oath of office. And so, instead of... So there you have it. Uh, um, I want to now get to, because before we run out of time, um, I, I want to get to uh, this particular video about the uh, royal family. It's quite interesting. Uh, so let's go ahead and just start it. All right, take, here, here you go. The Queen is dead. Long live the King. On the 8th of September 2022, those words mark the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, ending the longest reign in British history and announcing the ascension of a new king, Charles III. With his new title, Charles has inherited a phenomenal amount of wealth. I have the most money in the world, right? Yes, Your Majesty. And is now leader of the richest family on earth, an organization they themselves call The Firm. For years, the assets of the royal family have been shrouded in mystery, hidden behind laws designed to protect their true value. But recently, many news outlets have helped to lift the veil, uncovering a level of riches that truly defies the imagination. You might think that it's an exaggeration to suggest that Queen Elizabeth owned the world, but it might not actually be as big of a stretch as you might think. Because legally, she owned more of the planet than anyone else, including land that most people thought was theirs. According to statistics, Queen Elizabeth's personal wealth was estimated to be around half a billion dollars. But this figure is very misleading, as by law, she owned much more than that. The vast majority of this unconsidered wealth is made up of land, and just how much depends on which law you choose to look at. In the UK, the monarch owns the Crown Estate, which is more than a quarter million acres across the kingdom, or around 0.5% of the nation's surface. But this really isn't accurate, as Queen Elizabeth actually owned the 
superior interest in all land in England, Wales, and Northern Ireland, meaning that by law, her ownership superseded any other landowner, meaning every landowner in the UK was really just leasing land from her. And this supreme authority over all land isn't exclusive to the United Kingdom either, as the Crown and Monarch also owns Crown land in 15 other Commonwealth realms around the world, including New Zealand, the Bahamas, Australia, and Canada. In Australia, for example, Crown land is almost one quarter of the entire country. In Canada, it's even more almost 90% of all the nation's land. But again, even these figures aren't entirely correct because technically the Queen actually owns every single piece of land in these nations. In Australia, for example, a law firm described that even though many Australian landholders believe they own their own land, this isn't actually the case. That legally the Crown actually holds absolute ownership of everything. This means that nobody truly owns land in any of the Queen's realms. It's all just the property of the Crown. This includes every single piece of land in Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Jamaica, Papua New Guinea, and the rest of the Commonwealth. To put it simply, Queen Elizabeth owned absolutely all land in every Commonwealth nation by law, land that upon her death was automatically transferred to a new owner. In total, the Queen's owned land amounted to 6.6 billion acres around the world, or around one-sixth of all land on planet's surface, including around half of Antarctica, through claims made by Australia, the UK, and New Zealand. Immediately upon the the death of the Queen, her crown, titles, and ownership were legally passed on to her son, the new reigning king, Charles III, who in an instant became the single biggest landowner on earth. Upon becoming king, Charles also inherited some incredible powers, like being completely immune to prosecution, meaning he can never be arrested or tried for any crime. He also no longer needs a passport to travel, as by law, all passports are issued in his name. But some of the most valuable powers come in the form of being able to hide or grow the crown's wealth. Charles is legally exempt from paying any form of taxes at all, and his family is also entirely immune from any freedom of information requests, making it much easier to hide or shield its assets. As reported by The Guardian, this secrecy is a tradition that apparently began in the 1970s, after the Queen allegedly successfully blocked laws that would require her to reveal everything she owned, something the news outlets uncovered in documents dated from November 1973. However, this accusation was completely denied by the royal family. But there is so much more that Charles has inherited beyond just land and power, as with his new title of king, it comes with an insane amount of other resources. A huge part of the crown's assets have never been fully known to the public. One of the most valuable of these is the royal collection, an archive of over half a million art items, including over 7,000 paintings. In other words, the largest private art collection on earth, valued at over 10 billion pounds. But this isn't just about collecting history. Art preserves the crown's wealth. The last time inflation was this high, fine art appreciated by an average of 33% per year. This is why the crown has continued adding artists like Andy Warhol to its portfolio. Now, obviously, so it is obvious that the royal family is unimaginably wealthy and a lot of that wealth is concealed through laws and structures that are designed to hide its value. For this reason, the royal family operates more like a massive global corporation rather than just a rich group of relatives. At the start of the last century, Elizabeth's father, King George VI, began referring to the royal family as the firm, a title the family still apparently calls themselves today. And according to Forbes, the firm has structured itself like a 1,000-year-old business. Today, the firm is made up of seven total members, the new King Charles and his wife Camilla, 
Prince William and his wife Kate, as well as two of Queen Elizabeth's children, Princess Anne and Prince Edward, including also Edward's wife Sophie. Queen Elizabeth's son, Prince Andrew, was also once a member of the firm. However, after some serious accusations involving some plane rides to a secret island, Elizabeth stripped the prince of most of his royal honors, including his place in the firm. In total, the firm manages nearly $28 billion worth of assets that we know about. However, much of this has been well hidden over time, with some estimating the firm's assets to be closer to $100 billion in value. And this doesn't even include the land and nations the crown legally owns around the world, which is extremely difficult to value. But by some estimates, the crown's technical ownership of Australia could be worth over $5.8 trillion alone. Basically, if you take everything into account, the royal family are by far the richest family on the planet, making the family in the second spot look very small in comparison, which is the Saudi royal family, which have an estimated net worth of $1.4 trillion. Now, obviously, the recent death of the head of the royal family is going to result in some very significant changes. So here is how the transition from Elizabeth to Charles is going to likely cost Britain and the rest of the world a lot of money. Following the death of Queen Elizabeth, massive changes need to be made to Britain and its empire. Within a year, all currency in the United Kingdom needs to be remade to reflect the passing of the monarch and will soon be stamped and printed with the face of King Charles, something that also has to happen in Commonwealth nations as well. A 12-day period of mourning and a new national day of mourning will also cost the British company dearly. By law, passports also need to be changed to incorporate Charles as the head of the empire, and so do postage stamps, as well as military, police, and institutional uniforms. All in all, these changes are expected to cost the UK billions of dollars in total, not to mention the same massive costs throughout the rest of the Commonwealth. The question I ask myself personally is, who is actually paying for all these bills? Is it not the taxpayers? And what I also find really interesting from this whole thing is, I think this video illustrates how much power a single family still has over our planet today, especially considering that most of us probably think that the monarchy is something that's in most part faded into history. But this is just my opinion. What do you think? I'd love to hear your thoughts down below. And if you like... All right. So that lady uh, here is speaking is Sorel Amor Finance. You can check her out on YouTube. And it is Sorel, S-O-R-E-L-L-E, Amor, A-M-O-R-E, uh, Finance. And she has some of the best videos um, that I've seen. And I've played uh, many clips of her. Uh, particularly, she does uh, things on uh, Klaus Schwab, globalism, uh, carbon footprints, uh, you know, uh, certificates and things like that. Um, great, great presentation. Uh, so I recommend that you check her out. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And be sure to check out our new sponsor, Tactical Civics. TacticalCivics.com to find out how you can empower your community in taking back your country. It's a novel idea. Also, check out Magapac.org. Find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. And please use Red State as your promo code over at MyPillow.com. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody.